I'm Amy Wagner. Welcome to the best of Simply Money. Each week we put together some of our favorite segments from the 55 KRC radio show exclusively for this podcast. This week, Steve and I break down what the latest inflation numbers mean for your wallet right now and what the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill could mean for your taxes down the road. We also talk about preparing for the cost of getting married. That one's near and dear to my heart and the signs that you're on track for a secure and successful retirement. Finally, I interview Rob Poloni, the owner of Rodi Italian in Loveland, Ohio, about how his restaurant is grappling with its labor shortage and major supply chain challenges. A $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill? Well, that's grabbing some major headlines, but inflation... That's grabbing at your wallet. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. You know, Steve, this is something that we are all feeling on a daily basis. Inflation stayed high in in the U.S. in July. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, consumer prices rose 5.4% from a year ago. Here's the number that's interesting to me, a half a percent from June. A year ago, I can throw those numbers out the window. No one was doing anything a year ago. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that completely. And, you know, the headlines are all about, you know, all this political stuff going on in Washington. Let's talk about what hits your wallet and my wallet. I, I mean, yeah. that's that's inflation. That hits everybody equally. And and in the month of July, inflation was 5.4%. Keep in mind, the Federal Reserve kept saying, you know, just a year ago, hey, we want to target 2%. We're, we're just not able to get there, but we really want 2%. Well, they got there. They got there and then <laughs> Blue some. by. Well, and and then then they publish, uh, okay, nothing to see here, folks. Um, uh, let, let's cut out gas and, and food, um, and then it's only 4.3%. Well, I don't know about you, Amy, but I eat. I tend yes. to drive my car. You know, these are important. I know they're the more volatile aspects The things aspects that they're cutting, it, yeah, right. The things still, that they're cutting out are yeah. what we're all paying for. And it's really, truly where we're feeling the pinch right it now. Is. It you is. You know, you look at wage increases uh, year over year. I think we're up 4%, which is yep. huge. I mean, yep. I haven't seen numbers like that in a long time. That's great. But when you're paying 5.5% more for things uh, yeah. than you were a year ago, right, those increases in your paycheck, well, they don't mean much. Yeah, you, you know, I, I've done financial planning a long time. And, you know, people look back at, at the late 70s, early 80s. Oh, I wish I had that 12% CD. I wish I, you know, had those high interest rates. They forget about, well, yeah, they were 12% CDs because inflation was 14%. And, and inflation is what kills a financial plan. I, I mean, to put it bluntly, uh, yeah, if you're getting roughly the same paycheck and people on Social Security know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're getting the same paycheck and, and a loaf of bread costs twice as much, um, something's got to be cut somewhere, and that's where you really feel it. You just can't buy what you used to buy, and you can't live the way you used to live. Inflation is the way to go broke slowly. Yeah, it's a silent killer. I mean, when yeah. you look at financial plans, when you look at your bank account, oh, it and, and right me. now, we were just, uh, I was actually just talking to someone who opened a new restaurant recently, uh, and he was talking about the fact that, uh, you know, chicken, a, a big thing of chicken used to cost him 60 bucks. Now it's 120 bucks, right? Just to get chicken wow. into the restaurant. That's a big jump. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you have, you know, businesses that are paying double the prices for the ingredients they used to have. At the same time, they're having to pay several bucks more an hour to try to get mm-hmm. people in the door mm-hmm. to serve you. At some point, that is going to get passed on to the rest of us. You you're can only kidding. take so much on a chin, and the chin, you're, you're, right? You're, you're, you're kidding. I mean, he's <laughs> not going to just say, okay, well, I guess I just don't make as much money for a while. Yeah. That's not the way yeah. it works. No, 
No, no. I, and, and, you know, <laughs> honestly, there, there is some absorption of those costs for if it's a, a, an increase in cost for a really short time. Yeah. You know, if this was just like, oh, okay, well, the truck was laid, and you know, next next week it'll uh, be back down sure. to normal. A lot of businesses and restaurants, in particular, they're going to eat costs for the short term, so that there's no disruption to their customer base. But we're we're seeing it across the board, not just in in the cost of of uh, ingredients for restaurants, but we're seeing it in every industry, whether it's a, a uh, bottleneck in computer chips or whatever the case had. Try ordering some furniture. You're you're probably going to have to wait a month, month and a half to get what you want. Uh, you know, so there's still a lot of disruptions out there, and, and inflation is what I lose sleep over. It's not, you know, a lot of people ha- have the attitude of, um, well, I need to get a good return on my investment. What's my magic number so I can afford to retire? Uh, what I worry about is, well, we've been plugging in inflation at this rate, and it looks like it's double that. I hope this is as short-term as the Federal Reserve says it is, because if it's not, we're going to be in trouble, and not tomorrow, not next year, but in 10 years. And, yeah. and, and you know, hopefully we're going to live a lot longer than 10 years. So the inflation that's going on now is something we need to really pay attention to. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC. As we talk about inflation, new numbers out, up a half a point, half a percentage uh, from what we were paying just last month. And Steve, you mentioned the Federal Reserve, right, in saying yeah. that, hey, this is transitory, this is temporary. Uh, but they're starting to kind of walk that back now. You notice uh, that. Yeah, <laughs> I did too. And listen, yeah. you couldn't give me enough money to uh, to carry this uh, Fed chair name, right, uh, Powell? Because there's a lot of pressure on this dude, and and he's saying, you know, the effects have been larger than we expected. They may turn out to be more persistent than we expected. Yeah. Um, incoming data is consistent with the view that the, there are factors that's going to wane over time. So what he's essentially saying here is. We we think this will still be short term, but the definition of short term is getting a little longer every day. Well, like my 80 year old client said to me one time, Steve, your definition of long term may be different than mine. Yeah, you, you know, and and, <laughs> and, and and I was talking to somebody who's an executive in in uh, local industry here and and deal heavily in in computer chips. And yeah, this is a couple of months ago when everybody was saying the chip shortage ought to be done by this fall. And he was saying a couple of months ago, no, we're planning on this well into. 2023. Wow. You know, so let, let's, you know, let's, let's be, I, I give, I'll give Fed Chair Powell a little, little slack because, you know, he's data dependent. I don't think he's making up stories to make people no. feel good, but the data is changing. And the, these issues, they are, you know, they, they are lasting a little bit longer than expected. I'll tell you what the saving grace is, Amy, is that consumers are spending GDP is up. The U.S. economy is just chugging along and rebounding. Healthy. Oh, it's it's you know the, when the concern is inflation and not recession, I feel a little bit better as long as inflation isn't going to stick around long. I you know I guess I've made that point. But yeah, you know here here we are with the economy bouncing back. People are getting out. They're they're spending money, and that's a good healthy thing for the economy. My concern is that with these bottlenecks and the cost of goods increases uh, increasing and, and wages increasing quite a bit, I don't see wages going back down to where they were. I think they're here to stay on uh, with these increases, and, and that means that inflation may be longer than whatever the term transitory means. And I think there's a lot of us who are kind of saying, I see this. I see the writing on the wall. I'm buckling my seatbelt for this. In fact, 
there was a group of consumers that were polled by the New York Fed, and they were asked, okay, where do you expect uh, prices of certain things to go over the next year? Uh, and they said rent, they expect to increase close to 10%. Yeah. Uh, medical medical care costs uh, up 10% over the next year. Um, changes in gas prices, about 8%. So uh, I think we're looking at this from the standpoint of, you may say this is temporary, but we're at least expecting to be dealing with this well, over the next yeah, year. Yeah, and, and you've got to do that. I mean, you, you know, you, you don't want to make a, a radical change, 180 degrees on your approach to investing because something new just came along or some new number was, was just posted. But sure. um, you, you've, you've got to be smart and, and, and prepare. I, I've gotten a lot of questions lately about gold because when inflation mm. goes up, you know, in the old days, they taught you, well, you know, uh, consider putting 10 percent of your money in gold. Because if inflation uh, starts to heat up, uh, that's your inflation hedge. Not so much anymore. I, I mean, gold just took a pretty pretty good crash over the last couple of days and, and really hasn't done anything in, in a number of years. So, you know, I, I don't think that's an answer. I've never been a proponent of putting a lot of money in, in gold. You see a lot of commercials because they're trying to sell you gold. Yeah. You know, that it's got nothing to do with is, is it a good investment. And they know if you're scared, right, and looking for something. They feed into fear. Yes. Yeah. That's, what, that's what gold often does. And so I think the question for, for a lot of you might be, okay, if I have concerns, about high inflation, what should I be doing, right? How should yeah. I change my, and we would say, first of all, don't change what you're doing, but you have to own the companies that are raising the prices right, right. now. You have to be invested in the stock market. Yeah, and I, I'm not a big, you know, just buy stock, put every diamond you've got in the stock and, and be aggressive. No, I, but, but you know, ownership, which is investing in the largest U.S. companies and go international too for some diversification, but you're absolutely Absolutely right. I, I mean, those are the areas. U.S. S, Standard & Poor's 500, the, the 500 largest companies, is a good place to, to be able to make some money during an inflationary environment. Don't put all your money there. I mean, you know, go through the risk tolerance strategies and, and balance it off with some bonds and diversify and the usual good advice. But, you know, don't think I should pull my money out of stocks and put it in gold because inflation is up. No, you don't want to make radical changes like that. Stay diversified and don't give up on the U.S. because our economy is broad, it's diversified, and the best of the best that have proven themselves over years will do fine in an inflationary environment. Yeah, and as you're worried about inflation, how it's impacting your wallet, well, what could cause more inflation? Well, dumping a lot more money into the economy, which is what Congress yeah. is looking at right now. Oh, Senate Democrats passed a $3.5 trillion budget framework. Uh, listen, these things can change so many times before yeah. Or if they even become law. But there's a few parts of this that have kind of caught our attention, which are worth discussing. One of them, Medicare expansion. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's a system that's uh, going to run out of money in about five more years. Well, what the heck? Let's just add uh, a couple of hundred million more or maybe 10 or 20 million more people to the rolls. And and that ought to fix it. Now, you know, and, I, right. And expand I, benefits at you the know, same I, time. I, I don't want to get political. And I love some of these ideas. But you do have to pare it down to... How does this affect my money and your money? And that's that's where we are. We're we're yeah. you know we're looking at what are the consequences of these things. And you know we're talking about a one point two trillion dollar infrastructure bill, and then a three and a half trillion dollar uh, green infrastructure or human infrastructure bill. Um, here's the problem, and and it's not as simple as okay, um, a restaurant has to pay twice as much for chicken, so they have to raise the price of chicken. 
But when you get to this point of spending where we're already at an all-time high of our national debt as a percentage of gross domestic product, um, now the dollar starts becoming worth less. The more you spend of money that you don't have as a nation, the dollar has less value. So if it becomes worth less, just start saying that fast, and you get the drift of where it's heading. You know, so it, it, we've got to really watch that because it does cause inflation, not necessarily as immediately as mm-hmm. as when the price of chicken goes up, but it does cause inflation when you continually spend more and more money that you don't have. It, it, it's I, I worry about the trend. Something else that we're seeing in this budget reconciliation is um, no changes to the step-up basis, which is, Steve, I'm sure something you probably got a lot of questions about. This kind of floated out uh, over the past few months. President Biden talked about, uh, you know, changing this step-up basis rule. Now it looks like we may not see that. Yeah, I mean, this was a major change in estate planning that they were talking about. You know, if you inherited some Procter & Gamble stock or if you bought some Procter & Gamble stock uh, 30, 40 years ago and now it's worth a whole lot more, um, you could pass that along to your kids and not have to worry about paying the taxes. The, The proposal was, no, whatever it's worth at your date of death, yeah, your estate is going to have to pay the tax on that, and that's a massive that's a massive bill for a lot of people. So sure. it's a major change in, in what they do, and I'm glad to see it's not in, in the proposed bill. Here's the Simply Money point. Make sure your financial plan accounts for inflation and potential tax changes that could be coming in the future because Congress has certainly been spending. So we often talk about, you know, avoiding financial planning mistakes or planning for what can go wrong in retirement. But I'm also a glass is half full kind of a person. So I like to talk about, you know, signs that things are going well. Uh, And it turns out you may be happier in retirement. Steve, I'm sure you probably see this pretty often with the investors that you work with. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting. Of course, we see the cream of the crop. People that are broke don't come to see us necessarily. But of the people that come in, I, I, it's, it's just a beautiful thing to hear. I don't know how I ever fit work into my schedule because that, yeah. that's, that's when you know, wow, they're enjoying their retirement. And, and the best advice I, I give people when, when they're approaching, and there's a lot of anxiety as you approach re- retirement. It's a big change, no question. Yeah, it's one of the big life changes you're going to have in your life. And, and I, I love telling people that, that I know uh, retirement's going to work out financially. Hey, listen, do me a favor. Don't think about money for three, four, six months maybe even a year. Just don't think about money. Do everything that you've always wanted to do. And when the dust settles, come back, talk to me, and we'll sort through it. Ooh, yeah, that's interesting advice. Yeah, because they, they expect when they come, I, I, I want to see everybody, you know, in that two, three, four months prior to retirement so that we go through their plan, we nail it down, everybody's comfortable, we didn't miss anything, we, we've done some stress testing, nope, if this happens, another 2008, you're still good. Um, you know, I love going through that and then say, all right, now we've talked about money. Don't think about money. You're done talking about money for a while, and you can literally see the weight lift off of their shoulders because that's all they're thinking about. We don't have a paycheck coming in. How's this going to work? Oh, my goodness. Can we make it? And, well, and we're not just talking about the people right that we're working with. There's right. a survey of more than 300,000 adults that actually said life, satisfaction, happiness, yeah. uh, feeling life was worthwhile peaked for them between the ages of 65 and in 79. Uh, so this is something that we're kind of seeing across the board. I also think this is interesting. A new survey, and this is much smaller, of 2,000 Americans said if you could go back to any age, what would it be? 
mid thirties. I disagree with this. I am still <laughs> learning in my mid forties. Yeah. I don't think I want to go back to the person I was in my mid thirties. Um, and, and here's another interesting survey that recently came out. Um, you may be happier with your body, your body image, actually, according to the survey. Uh, I'm not sure I'd answer it that way. <laughs> better and better. Come on, Steve, yeah. you're in your sixties. You're looking so good, right? Uh, um, okay. That's what everyone tells you. It turns out body image for men stays relatively um, kind of stable through the years, but consistently higher for women. And I just wonder if women kind of get to the point where, like, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good yeah. with myself. I don't care. I feel healthy. I can interact with my grandkids. I can travel or whatever it is. And, and that becomes enough, right? Feeling yeah. healthy, feeling good becomes enough. Maybe, I don't know, we stop comparing ourselves to everyone else at a certain age. Well, you know, it's interesting because I was reading through that survey also, and men reach peak anxiety in their 50s. And I think that's all about, you know, career. I didn't get to where I thought I'd be at this stage in life. With women, peak anxiety is in your 30s. And then they start chilling out and relaxing. I I really think it's a, a question of are you getting comfortable in your own skin? And, and by the time you retire, if you're, you know, financially, if you're settled and, and uh, you know, you're, you're comfortable with your circle of friends and, and support group and everything else, people just start relaxing and it's, you're out of the fast lane. You know, it's like yeah. when you go to the high school reunion at 10 years, what are you doing? Who's winning this race? You know, at yes, 20 years. it is like a horse race. It, it really is. And, and, you know, by the time you retire, I think people are like, you know what, this is where I'm at. I'm comfortable with it. Financially, I, I think I'm fairly secure. And, and let's just relax and enjoy what God's given me. You know, it's just let's yeah. go out there and enjoy life a little bit. And it's good to hear people are doing that because, you know, I, I came up through an environment where my dad retired young. He, he was widowed. And I, we lost our uh, my mom, his wife, uh, when she was 50. And he went into retirement all by himself and moved to Florida because it was warm down there, and he thought that would be good. And that's a mistake if you leave your support, leave your friends, leave your doctors, and, and go to a new state. Things not to do, you know, and, yeah. and it's good to know he's he was the exception, and, and a lot of people are getting comfortable and enjoying retirement. Yeah. I mean, so you're happier. Maybe you're feeling better about your body, how you look. Um, and also, I think if you're if you're truly heading for a good retirement, you know, by this point, you don't need an online calculator to tell you that you have enough. You're not feverishly plugging in numbers to try to figure out if you can make it by. You already know what your expenses are uh, and what your savings are. And that, you know, if the market goes down by 20, 30 percent, while it's very uncomfortable, you're still going to make it through. Um, you know, you don't want to be the person. Steve, who, you know, in the last six months, year before you retire, constantly tuned into CNBC no, because you're so nervous. You don't need that. You, you, you don't. That, that That's a mistake. And, you know, again, some people think because I do what I do that it's all about money and you have to pay attention all the time. No. Work it in. Make sure you're aware of where you are financially. But please, life is for living. Enjoy yeah. it. And when you get to that age, and we know a lot of you say, well, I'm just going to i going to plan on keeping to work, keep working. Well, that's fine. But make work an option, not an obligation, because things can change for you in a heartbeat. You could get sick. You could decide you don't want to work there anymore. Um, and also, if you're debt-free, you're going to sail into retirement much easier. Um, these are all worse ingredients for a successful retirement, right? The right people in your life. You've got purpose. You've got prosperity. And you're feeling healthy. Here's a Simply Money point. Retirement is challenging, but it can also be one of the most rewarding times of your life. So many who have gone before you say that's exactly what it is. Speaking of signs, 
Here's one that our economy is getting back to normal because you are more confident about quitting your job. This is the Jolts survey, but we call yeah. it, Steve, take this job, take this and, job shove and shove it. it. You, you, you betcha. Yeah, this number's really, really high. And, and this is indicative of, I mean, this is a massive economic rebound. 57% of employed Americans are confident right now they could find a job if they quit today, according to a Federal Reserve survey. That, that's the highest number since February of 2020. Why is that? An important point, because that's the last month before the lockdown. That's when things were yeah. firing on all cylinders. And Amy, it's gotten to the point where right now we've got 10.1 million job openings, and that's the highest it's been in 20 years. I mean, yeah. you can see the now hiring signs all over the place. The jobs are out there. Yeah, the number of job openings, in fact, rose above the number of people who are unemployed and actually looking for work by half a million. And so that means that more and more of you are saying, okay, uh, and I think I think wages are up 4% year over year right now. They are. Uh, which is huge. It's a number I haven't seen in recent years. Uh, so maybe you haven't seen that in your paycheck and you see opportunities across town. Uh, you're willing to say to the boss, I'm out of here before you even have that job to replace it because you're confident that within two, three months, you're going to be yeah. out and working again. Yeah. And, and you know, if you're going to do it, do it soon because these things don't last forever at yes. some at some point we'll get back to normal and you're not going to see now hiring signs and you won't have the leverage that you've got today but while you got it use it every week we go to simply money university and review the fundamentals of financial planning and the economy this week hey here's a timely topic amy Preparing for the cost of getting married. Do you know anything about costs of getting married? <laughs> I might know something about this. Yeah, I actually just got back from getting married, which was, by the way, beautiful and amazing and more expensive even than I had budgeted <laughs> for. I'm going to just totally yeah. admit that up front. I, I will say, though, one thing, you know, in the final days coming up and you're getting smacked with like so many bells left and right. Uh, for those of you who are planning weddings or parents of people who are planning weddings, pay close attention. Yeah. I found mistake after mistake, honestly. Like what? Um, even, okay, so with the reception, uh, we had, you know, five or six kids there under the age of 21. They wanted to charge me $42 per kid for like soft drinks and juice and water. Wow. <laughs> okay. $42. Look at the bill. Oh, and, my I goodness. and I said, this has to be a mistake. And at first she came back to me and said, no, it's not. And I said, mm then I'm going to need to take this up with someone else. And then she came back to yeah. me and said, actually, it is. Um, the price per person uh, was up above the contract, like the contracted rates. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't you don't pull this stuff with me. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, well. But, you know, I, I shopped around and shopped around. Um, flowers, photographers, all of those things can get incredibly expensive. I wasn't willing to pay for that. Uh, so I, you know, found a, in fact, we have a, a funny story of a florist that I was talking to. I actually got married in Florida. Um, mm -hmm. in Key Largo and uh, got the name of, uh, of a florist out of Miami who we had this great phone conversation. I totally thought he got me. And then he sent me this proposal for flowers. No joke, Steve. It was like $4,700. <laughs> Okay, for I was flowers like, that are going to uh, be dead in a couple days. You don't get me at all. Yeah. I do not pay this much money for something. I actually laughed and said, do you know what I do for a living? Like, there's no <laughs> chance I'm paying for this. Found a wow. much smaller florist down in the Keys. They were super great, a small fraction of the cost. Shop around. Couples on average are paying like $23,000, you think, right? You're budgeting yeah. that for your wedding, but you end you're up You're going to get upticked. Yeah, you're yeah. going to spend more. And I have to say, in those final days, like going up while I was while I was keeping a close eye on like the big price tag stuff, the smaller things, right? I, w I was just like, oh, I felt like I was.
was a little bit numb to it all, you know, which is not my, my typical way of spending. Yeah. Um, but it is. It, it's it's tough to stay on a budget. The average cost of an Ohio wedding, close to the average, 29300 Um, Mine in Florida, the average cost 30000 I can tell you I was nowhere close to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it was a super small wedding. Uh, New Jersey, where you're from, most expensive weddings, oh, $53,000. I, I believe this one. I've been to a lot Steve. of weddings. Oh, man. When, when the bride and groom's last names end in a vow, and I'll just let you sit on that a little bit, it's like, can you top this? It's kind of a, a it's in a weird way, it's a statement of your success to have a lavish wedding. And mm. I've been to some, I, I, I think 50000 would be on the low side. I, yeah. I mean, some of these weddings are absolutely crazy. And, you know, then you hear, you know, two, three years later, well, it didn't work out. You know, okay, we're going to have another $80,000 wedding. Uh, no, we, we'll spend less this time. Okay, whatever. It, you know, it, it's it's pretty nuts what people on the East Coast will, will spend. But, you know, it, is it worth, in the Midwest, we have a little bit more sanity, I think. Yes. And, and, you know, let's think this through. And is it worth the money? Yeah, the average cost of photography twenty four hundred. Um, the average wedding dress fifteen hundred. The average cost of a wedding cake five hundred and forty dollars. I didn't even have a wedding cake. We had uh, key lime pie <laughs> served to cup- people at their. Oh, in Florida. Yeah, key lime yeah. pie. So, I like right, it. but it, rather than having like another vendor and a cake topper and all of that stuff, so I think sometimes uh, you really kind of have to rein yourself in, figure out what's the most important thing to you. Maybe spend a little more for that if you're yeah. someone who wants to spend more on pictures. But everything can't be the most expensive thing. I had a co-anchor several years ago whose daughter was getting married, and oh my goodness, it was so entertaining because you would hear him like just losing his cool on the phone, like you want a Shavara <laughs> chair, you know you. You want to pay $20 extra per guest for a certain kind of chair? Absolutely not. Yeah. I think weddings are a time when people kind of tend to lose their sanity. You're right. Here in the Midwest, we're a little better than yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but also beyond the wedding, right? If you're someone going down this path, walking down the aisle, make sure you're having financial conversations about not just the budget for the wedding, uh, the expenses, the bank accounts, estate planning. That will need to change. Um, marital and separate property. They're not all fun conversations, but they need to happen. Here's a Simply Money point. Before you say I do, make sure you're checking on your budget. You certainly don't want to go into debt. Come home from the honeymoon for that. All right. Imagine this. The big plan opening a restaurant. Yes. In March of 2020 at exactly the same time as, you know, a global pandemic. Uh, joining us tonight, Rob Poloni. He's the owner of Rodi Italian. You can find it in Loveland, who did eventually open that restaurant, Rob, in February of this year at the tail end of that pandemic. Still probably not for the faint of heart. It was it, it was interesting. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> So, 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 set this up for us. You're from LA. What brings you here? What makes you decide you're going to open a restaurant in the Loveland area? Uh, my other half was from uh, Madeira. Was uh, born and raised, and moved to Los Angeles uh, 15 years ago. And we met, came back a few times. Um, I got to meet her family seven years ago. Kind of fell in love with Loveland. Um, it was in, it was before the fire at Tano, and then. Um, um, we just kind of fell in love with how the city was was rallying behind uh, behind all the restaurants on that row and and the rebuild and we kind of saw an opportunity to be a part of uh, to be a part of it and um, 
she wanted to move back to be closer to her family. And the only only family that I have back in Los Angeles is, is my parents and my sister. Uh, the rest are still in Europe. And so we just made the decision to, to come out here. And the restaurant business is really, uh, I grew up in it. I mean, I'm, I'm, we have a restaurant in Los Angeles that has been open for almost 40 years. And I literally grew up in the restaurant. I'm 38. So um, from so- the time I can remember so, so it sounds like a lot of planning, a lot of thinking uh, went into the fact that you're going to relocate here, you're going to open this restaurant, and then, of course, the pandemic starts. Uh, what goes through your mind at that point? Uh, we're too far. We're too far in. <laughs> we're too far in, and there's no turning back. And uh, we knew that uh, we knew that uh, it would just be a slight hiccup and a slight bump for us to open. And um, we would uh, do everything we can to maintain the safety of the crew that worked for us and the, the customers that came in as well. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a nine months of biting our nails and hoping that things would, would turn around. And, um, and uh, it really gave us the opportunity to kind of take a step back, take a little more time with construction, take a little more time with designing the menu properly and making sure that things were, were going to be um, perfect for us to open well, so, the menu, uh, by the way, looks amazing, um, and I've had uh, some some people who've eaten there who said the food is fantastic. You're six months in, roughly now, uh, since the opening. What do you think? Coming out of this pandemic, there's been a lot of issues for a lot of restaurants. What are you seeing? Um, obviously, the labor shortage. It's uh, it's uh, it takes precedent over everything, and then the um, food shortage that we've that we've experienced. The i.e. a case of chicken uh, used to cost yeah. the restaurant a small amount of money. I don't mean small, but um, $60 a case, and now it went up to 120 uh, Italian wow. products, which is 90% of the staple of what we use in the restaurant, either are hard to come by, not not available, or you wait and wait and wait and wait until it does come. And the prices uh, keep jumping. I mean, it's, so- it's supply and demand. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55 Karasi. We're joined by Rob Poloni, owner of Rodi Italian, a new Italian restaurant in Loveland, opening up during this pandemic. Uh, Rob, have you had to change uh, maybe what was on the menu as the result of shortages or price increases? We did. We have. Um, I've, I've retooled the menu in order to, to facilitate what we, have, what we have and what we're available to have. Uh, unfortunately, we've had to increase some pricing. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, there's a lot that we have eaten as a business, but there's things that we've had to increase uh, just to get the product in the door. And um, a dollar here, dollar there. And uh, but the restaurant uh, still maintains um, the integrity of what we're trying to to, to produce. And so I don't want to take any shortcuts, especially with food. Yeah, yeah. But you're also probably hamstrung a bit by this worker shortage. You mentioned that you've been in the restaurant industry for decades, grew up in a restaurant. I noticed on your website, one of the main things next to the menu is kind of a plug for where hiring. Have you ever had to do that, try to get the word out any way you possibly can? No, no. We've been, I mean, pre-pandemic, we're pretty blessed, uh, in the restaurant industry that, you know, there was always a, uh, a plethora of applications and people that, uh, they wanted to be a part of it. Now it's, it's, um, obviously a whole different, uh, a whole different ball game. I mean, you know, you, you could, you had a stack of resumes two years ago that you could, that you could go through. And now you're lucky if one or two people apply. So what do you have to do as a restaurant owner to be competitive in this environment? You know, honestly, 
roll up your sleeves and work just harder than, than, than the people with you and make sure that they, that they see that you're doing uh, the same thing that they are. I mean, I yeah. wash dishes. I, I sweep floors. I clean. I'm on the line six nights a week working with my crew. I'm in the kitchen every night. Um, I have an incredible team up front that uh, our GM came from a very big restaurant group as well, and uh, they're doing the same thing. It's, uh, it's, uh, you have to increase the hourly. Um, we've been, uh, now that we've been open six months, we're trying to be competitive in terms of where we can afford to uh, give health benefits to, to the employees, which is something that a lot of restaurants never did before. Yes. Um, that's a big thing. And we lost, I think it was 60% to 70% of the workforce of the restaurant business at one point. Because yeah. um, restaurants were were underpaying, uh, undervaluing the staff, and now you're you're really and, and I try to make sure that everyone that's in, in this restaurant knows how thankful and appreciative I am of them um, working with us. So you're dealing with a worker shortage. Uh, prices of a lot of the products that you're trying to get, you either can't get or the prices have gone up. But what we're seeing kind of as a trend in Ohio from restaurants is sales up pretty much month over month since this uh, pandemic has kind of started to reopen things back up. Is that what you're seeing? Partially. Um, it's hard to get a baseline on on, on profit and loss for the restaurants. We've only been open for, for a short time. Um, yeah. I will say on our side, uh, being a new restaurant, doing 200 people on a Tuesday night was never heard of before. Um, business has been good, thank God. And, and, and the, 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 the customers that we have that come in and try us and are part of the restaurant uh, um, understand the shortages that we're facing for the most part, understand that things uh, may not run as smoothly as before. And um, you are working with short staff, but, but, on the same side, uh, you know, it's been an incredible blessing, you know, to, to do 200, 300 people on a Saturday night. Um, it, kind of, it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, that's fantastic news. Hey, Rob, do you have any concerns? Yesterday, um, the governor of Kentucky, or just recently, the governor of Kentucky said uh, mass mandate for kids going back to school. Uh, you know, this Delta variant seems to be very real. Some COVID rates going up right now. Do you have concerns coming out of this pandemic uh, that we may be going back into some kind of shutdowns? I mean, what does that mean for your restaurant? If we shut down and go back to carry out uh, version only, I don't know how. I, I honestly, it, I don't know how we would be able to to uh, ride the wave being so new. We haven't established ourselves uh, yet in that respect. Um, I'm very concerned. I mean, I flew back in the height of the pandemic, flew back to L.A. to help my family um, get through um, the, the shutdown of Los Angeles, which, which was even worse than it was here. Yeah. Um, I, it's concerning. I mean, we built, we built inside of our restaurant, we built uh, partitions here um, during the pandemic. And hopefully, you know, I should say, God forbid, we, we have to shut down again or go back to uh, social distancing standards. Um, we built partitions. We've built... Uh, safety measures in place that that we never really had to do before. Um, yeah, I am I am very concerned that that we may be going back towards uh, back towards a uh, a, uh, a slowdown again. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to say lightly and politely. Um, it is concerning, and again, being a new restaurant, I don't know how we would be able to to weather that storm if everything shut down again. 
Without a doubt, the restaurant industry had such a tough go through this. You know, kudos to you uh, for opening up at the end of this pandemic. I've heard only great things. If you haven't checked them out yet, it's Rodi Italian in Loveland. Uh, get in there and try them out. Um, great things coming from there. You've been listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You've been listening to the best of Simply Money. If you could do us a favor, send the show to a friend. If you think they may benefit from it as well, it all worth financial. We help you retire better.